Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. So great to be with you this morning. And I want to speak to you for just a minute or two and kind of let you know what I know. And as we have been looking in this last three weeks for an improvement uh, in our release from captivity, as it were, um, we have yet to receive that information from the state and from the state uh, to the county of Los Angeles. And so we are still waiting. We anticipate that there will be some adjustments Uh, to our ability to meet. And so in the meantime, our men's, women's, and couples ministry will meet physically here uh, on site beginning a week from tomorrow. So beginning with our marriage study on Monday, followed by ladies on Tuesday morning and evening, and then men on Wednesday night. Uh, We want you to also know that we will be practicing social distancing and we will be requiring masks and there will be hand sanitizer and all those things available to you. Uh, We're going to continue to follow the guidelines set before us as best as we possibly can. Next, I want to speak to you for just a couple of moments and I want to thank all of you that have taken time to write uh, either an email, a physical card or a letter and encourage uh, during this time uh, your your emails have helped make a very difficult situation for me personally, uh, at least bearable at times. Secondarily to that, I, I want to take a moment uh, to give you a sense of the gravity and the immensity and the absolute inability uh, that we have to keep up with your individual emails uh, regarding the things that you would like me to speak to. I have received hundreds of emails with varying degrees of, Pastor Jeff, you should speak about this. Pastor Jeff, you should say this. Why are you not speaking to this issue or that issue? And I just want to simply say to you, I do care about what you think, and I do care about what you're going through, and I do care about our nation and all that we are going through. But the situation that we are currently in as a country is so extreme and so multifaceted that it would be impossible for me to address those issues in any cogent way, to make any sense of them during the short time that we have to study God's word. And so I want to address to you a simple admonition that comes directly from Scripture. It is found Uh, In the first letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, it is a directive. It is, I believe, the prime directive for the church and why we do what we do here in this church. And to that end, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. For where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since 
In the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And chapter 2 begins this way, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Church, I have not been called by God to address every issue that our country faces, that our world faces. As those things come up in scripture, I have opportunity to speak to them. But I cannot and will not speak to every single thing that happens in the news media every single day. I will preach Christ and him crucified for the remission of sin, and I will faithfully teach you the word of God. But I will not be moved from doing what God has called me to do by a handful of letters that think I should make church about something else. And so I ask you to bear with me. If this offends you, I'm sorry, but I cannot move from what God's called me to do. And so here in this church, we are simply going to preach the gospel and teach the word of God. And to that end, would you turn with me now to Luke chapter 8, as we pick up in verse 26, and we'll finish chapter 8 today. And the second installment of what I believe is very helpful at this time. A message that we do need to hear in this moment. A message that will help with what we are going through as a nation. And a message that comes directly from the heart of God and is found directly in the word of God. And so would you join me? We'll pray and we'll pick up and begin our reading there in verse 26 in Luke chapter 8. Father, we thank you that you are the answer that Jesus, you are the master of absolutely everything. Lord, whether we are possessed by something, oppressed by something, depressed by something, Lord, you are the answer to all that ails us. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and inhabit our hearts and speak to us through your word, encourage us through it. We pray that, Lord, we all would not be moved that we would know that what we know about you is more important than what we know about this world or think we know. And so God, speak through your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is the second portion of Jesus' little trip back and forth across the Sea of Galilee. Verse 26, and then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee, And so on the Sea of Galilee, on the northern shore, is Capernaum. 
Magdala, these cities that Jesus has been ministering in. And on the eastern shore, what is now uh, the very edge of the country of Israel, the beginning of the country of Jordan, uh, was this land called the land of the Gadarenes. And when he stepped out onto the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. Please circle it, underline it. There was something going on in his life that was inexplicable, unwarranted. He didn't ask for. It was unjust. It was unlawful. But nonetheless, it had affected him for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. This man literally lived in a graveyard. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him in a most loud voice. And he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? And I beg you, do not torment me. Now, this man is obviously demon-possessed, and he's been so for a very long time. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard and bound by chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by a demon into the wilderness. And so this man had lived under an oppressive spirit, a demonic spirit. He had gone through hell. His life was completely controlled by a situation that was not of his own doing. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, legion. And that term actually means many. Because many demons had entered him. And they, that being the demons, begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss, the abuso, the dwelling place of the dead. And now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountain. And so they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. And then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what happened and came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. This man went from possessed of demons to possessed of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords instantly. It was the good news. And they were afraid. And they also had seen it told by them and asked by what means this demon-possessed man was healed. And then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. And now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be able to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city the great things that Jesus had done. Notice the proclamation. Not how his situation had changed, not how he had been removed from a difficult place of living, but what Jesus had done for him. 
This poor man, we, we might even call him a terrorist. He had terrorized this city, this town, this place where the Jewish people wouldn't even venture because they had this unclean business of raising pork. But there in the midst of this unclean business was a man whose life was miserable. Jesus, being a Jew, had no reason to go to the land of the Gadarenes. But Jesus, being Jesus, had a reason to go because Jesus was concerned about everyone. He wasn't concerned with the man's Jewishness. He wasn't concerned with anything other than this man was tormented. And though this man himself was terrorizing the neighborhood, he himself was terrorized. He himself was in that position that you and I could look at our world today, and so many are terrorized by so many things. It is impossible for us to turn on the television, turn to the news, and not find something that terrorizes us right now. There are almost no answers. There are tons of questions. And so to that end, Jesus shows himself to be the master of everything. The master of this man's mind, the master of his physical circumstance, and the master of his emotions. Everything that we would say makes up a human being, Jesus now seizes control of this man's life and says, look, I have a solution. The solution, church, is Christ. It's not politics. The solution is not our government system. The solution is Jesus Christ and him alone. Unless a man be born again, he'll not see the kingdom of heaven. There's no way to be guided by the Spirit unless you're inhabited by the Spirit. Spiritual things are spiritually appraised, Paul would go on to say, writing to the church at Corinth. The carnal mind doesn't even understand them. We cannot look for biblical solutions in an unbiblical world. We have to give the real answer, which is Christ. It is a relationship by faith resulting in the grace of God being poured out upon mankind that will bring us into that place to where these problems can be dealt with. But if it's about personal preference, if it's about a political solution, those solutions will not ever come. I was speaking this morning, we were talking in the green room. If you look at just in my lifetime, I was born a little bit after the Second World War. My parents were those who fought in the Korean War. My generation fought in the Vietnam War. We've now had multiple wars in the Middle East, in Iraq. We still have peacekeeping forces all over the world. We still have soldiers on the 38th parallel in Korea from a war that ended in the 1950s. The world is not getting better. The world is doing exactly what Jesus said it would do. There would be wars and rumors of wars and then the end will come. The 
church should be looking to Jesus Christ, the dynamic master, as the solution to what ails this world. And if we fail to preach Christ, if we fail to teach the word, we have actually failed the master. We've failed the mission. And so this poor man that Jesus ministers to has been in this condition for a very long time. Look, demons are real. Demonic activity is real. As I look at the world today, I wonder if what isn't behind much of what is tearing us apart right now is not simply demonic. There's no reason for these things to be occurring. It's not human what's going on. Both the injustice and the response to the injustice. And so as we look at the world that we're in right now, we have to ask ourselves, are are we playing into the enemy's hands? Or are we going to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the actual answer? Church, let us not get moved from the truth. It is through Christ alone that we have salvation. It's in Christ alone that we have abundant life. Jesus made it very plain that in this world you will have tribulation. But he said, I've overcome the world. Do not fear the world. Don't fear what can only kill the body, but fear that which can kill the soul. And so here in this man's life, It looks like he's completely out of control. It looks like he suffered every injustice imaginable. Every sin has overtaken him. You could make some modern equivalences and look at this and say he's lived a rough life in a rough neighborhood. He's had all kinds of things go the wrong way, and that's the way he is. But Jesus steps into that situation, and all of a sudden, It's no longer an untenable situation, an unsolvable problem. Jesus says, look, I've got this. This horde of demons in this man's mind are nothing for me. We we look at our world and we wonder where self-control has gone. Can I remind you? That the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 said that self-control is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Chaos is not the fruit of the Spirit. Lawlessness is not the fruit of the Spirit. Anger, bitterness, hatred, injustice, and racism are not the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the devil. And we have to acknowledge it for what it is. It's demonic. And until we understand where the problem's coming from, we will not look to the right answer. The enemy of our souls is attempting to rip us apart. And we cannot give in. We must look up. These demons were no match for Jesus. This problem, which seems overwhelming, they didn't have psychotropic drugs. They didn't have a way to deal with this man's violent mood swings during those days. 
There was no psychologist or psychiatrist he could go to, no program he could enter. No amount of money would have fixed his problem. He had an untenable problem that only the master could solve. And I say to you, we face the same thing in our world today. Different circumstances, but nonetheless hopeless apart from the master. And if we do not turn to Christ during this time, if we will not acknowledge what is going on is a spiritual problem. It's not a physical problem, it's a spiritual problem. The soul of our country has been rotted from decades of turning away from God. And we need to get it right as the church and stop falling into the trap that we can fix this by becoming a political action arm of some group. We need to preach the gospel and teach the word. Stop getting off on these other tangents that will not help. This man was as out of control as anyone can get. But because of who Christ was in his life, there was no problem that Jesus couldn't handle. And Jesus can handle our problems today too. But we have to turn to him. We have to sit at his feet. We have to be willing to say, I'm sorry, God, for my part in this. And I yield and I turn to you. I want you to notice what the demons are actually thinking here. It's like, oh, no, we know who this man is. We know our days are numbered. Church, demons Tremble at the name of Jesus. And if you want to see demons tremble, preach Christ. That's the problem. Christ is the answer. Some of you are probably saying that's too simple. It's exactly why I quoted to you from Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. It does seem like foolishness. But it only seems like foolishness to those who are unsaved. It is the power of God unto salvation to them who believe. And we who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb ought to be the first ones to be preaching the truth. Not caving into some other thing. Look, these people in this town were thinking about, man, where's the bacon going to come from? How are we going to have sausage? But that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't a lack of resources. The problem was there was a demon-possessed man who desperately needed to have his mind healed by Christ alone. That's why it says he was clothed in his right mind after he met Jesus. The reason that we are facing many of the things in our country that we face is our country is not clothed in its right mind. We are hating one another and we don't even know why we hate one another. We're complaining about things that we don't even understand. Our country needs Christ. That's the problem. We have allowed Jesus to become secondary. He's become a buzzword. It's like, oh yeah, I I go to church. 
Oh, yeah, I, I, I know about Jesus. Are you trusting Jesus? Is he your Lord? Or is he just another piece of your existence? Jesus speaks into this man's life very much by what he tells him not to do. He says, look, I don't need you to get in the boat with me. I need you to go back and tell people about me. I don't need you to follow me around. I've got enough people following me around. Go be a doer of the word. And church, I wonder if God isn't calling us out right now. I wonder if the church isn't being spoken to very loudly and clearly. You've followed after all these other things. You've chased after a political agenda, and that political agenda has left you hopeless. Maybe we're chasing after the wrong thing. Maybe we're not seeking Christ with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Maybe the Lord is speaking to the true church, saying, would you get back to making this about me? No one is going to have their life transformed by anything save Jesus. Oh, their situation may be temporarily improved. I'm of the generation that watched us put men on the moon. For the last 15 years, we've had to hitch a ride on the Soviet Soyuz space program because we can't even do what we started to do in this country correctly to put people in space. We're so busy arguing about who's going to get the contract for what. Maybe we've lost our way. Maybe we're not seeking the dynamic master as we once did. Jesus says to the man, show how many great things God has done for you. Maybe that's what we ought to be doing. In the remainder of this chapter, we meet three people and one answer. And I think we can finish this chapter because it really is the same story again and again and again and again. It's the centricity of Christ. It is who he is. It is what he can do. It is how he does it. There are three people in the remainder of this chapter, and there is one answer. And that answer is the dynamic master that we've already seen. Verse 40, and so it was when Jesus returned, he's gotten back in the boat. He's traveled back across the lake. He's going back and forth, shore to shore, that the multitude welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there was a man named Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue. The way that normally happened was the members of the synagogue would vote for the person who was the most humble, the most kind, the one who was a peacemaker, the one whom you might say had the gift of hospitality, 
but was also a spiritual man, a man who knew the Torah. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. And so Jesus goes back across the lake and finds a man who has exactly one daughter. She's 12 years old. She's coming into the prime of her life. And her life is about to end. This is the same type of tenderness that we saw back in chapter 7. It's the same tenderness we'll see in chapter 9. Jesus knows exactly what is harming you and hurting you and paining you. He knows exactly why you feel the way you feel. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your physical body. Jesus knows everything. Jesus misses nothing. And here's this village teacher, a man who's well-known in the community, who's well-loved in the community, and he's facing something that he has no answer to. There's no real doctors during that time. There's no medical clinics. There's no drugs. There's no pharmacy. There's no over-the-counter prescriptions for anything. Things that we would shake off readily in our culture killed people then. What doctors they did have would have come and shook their heads. There's no way we can help. The situation, much like the situation in our world right now, was completely hopeless by the hand of man. There was no answer to what ailed that little girl physically. It wasn't more wisdom. It wasn't more doctors. It wasn't any more of what they had that we would call medicine. And Jesus looks at this situation and he knows what he's going to do and yet he delays in doing it. Divine delays sometimes are the Lord allowing us to exercise even greater faith. And almost as an interlude, we pick up in verse 43. To this man Jairus, his world is about to come completely apart. And it is in that moment, Jesus knows it. The Lord has heard this father's urgent plea. He knows this man is tormented of soul and has no hope in anything in the world. And yet, and now a woman having a, a flow of blood for 12 years, same period of time, 12 years of life for the girl and 12 years of misery for the woman, who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, she was unclean, she was unloved, she was undoubtedly unmarried, she was unfulfilled, she had no life. She was destitute, 
came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, remember there's a crowd around him, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude strong and press you, and you say, who touched me? Come on. Everyone's touching you. Anyone touched you. That's not what Jesus was asking. Jesus was not asking a proximity question. He was asking a faith question. Who believed enough to touch me? And Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. And now when the woman saw that she was no longer hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him, much like the demon-possessed man. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. I believe the world could be healed. I believe the racial injustice could be healed. I I believe the angst, the anger, the violence could be healed. I believe the COVID-19 virus could be healed. But it's going to take faith. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He didn't say, well, you just never went to the right doctor. He didn't say you you forgot to take this medicine or that medicine. Didn't say, well, if you'd just undertaken these exercises or done these things or lived in this place or you know, move to a place that was colder or warmer or changed uh, your diet. He simply said to her, your faith, believing in who I am has made you well. Twelve years of joy and delight for Jairus and his little girl and 12 years of despair, embarrassment, pain, abandonment, loneliness for the suffering woman. God is a God of the blessed and also the broken. The same Lord is Lord of all. And in this sense, this woman simply believes that Jesus is who he says he is. And though she was definitely a diseased woman, by the Levitical law, they're in Numbers 15, Deuteronomy 22, She was unclean. She was an untouchable. She was constantly unclean. She sat outside of everything. If you talk about someone who had no opportunity and was disadvantaged, it was this woman. She had nothing. And what she did have, she spent on people who could do nothing for her. And sometimes I I look at our world and I think, this is what we're doing. We're giving away all of our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure to that which cannot heal. And we're missing the one who can. This poor woman realizes that 
She's got nowhere to go. She's reached that place to where something has to be done and she's looking for the one who can do it. You know, you'll, you'll never come to faith in Christ unless you realize there's a problem. Until you see that you're a sinner, you won't want a savior. Until you become hopeless in yourself, you won't look for the hope that's found in Christ. And so this woman comes to that place. She realizes her cover's blown. There's nothing she can do. She's exposed. She's in the midst of this crowd and she's come up behind Jesus and simply confesses, Lord, I believe. And Jesus says, you're healed. Maybe the Lord's asking us to express our faith in our day and time in a way that shows people the way to be healed. And strangely enough, to finish this chapter, and I want you to notice this this exchange because it seems like an are-you-kidding-me moment. It's like, wouldn't you think a nearly dead child would take precedence over a woman who struggled for a dozen years with, with the problem with her issue of blood. She's not dying from it. She's just miserable from it. But Jesus sees both of those things and cares about both. And knows exactly what to do when for both. In verse 49, and while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to you, saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. It's over. Jesus, you're too late. You can't do anything about this one. hopeless but when Jesus heard it he answered him saying do not be afraid only believe what did he say he said only believe she will be made well that's the cry of faith And he came into the house and permitted no one to go in except Peter and James and John, the father and the mother of the girl. And now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, do not weep. She's not dead. She's sleeping. Now I've marveled at this passage more than once. It says, and they ridiculed him. Now, who's in the room? The big three, Peter, James, John, mom, and dad. It does not just say mom and dad. It says they. It appears as though in this moment, even the apostles, the big three, Peter, James, and John, said to Jesus, are are you seeing things clearly? She's dead. Why? 
because without the eyes of faith, all they saw is what they saw. She was dead. Without faith, the writer of Hebrews reminds us it's impossible to please God. Could it be that the church is being called to more faith? Could it be that the church is being called to a place of faith in a time of faith when faith is the only answer? I think we are. I think it is that time. But he put them all outside. Notice he didn't chastise them. And he took her by the hand and called saying, little girl, arise. In Aramaic, he says to her, Talitha Kume. And then her spirit returned and she arose immediately and he commanded that she be given something to eat. It's like saying to mom and dad, no, she's quite alive and she's hungry. And her parents were astonished. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. You see, people are attracted to miracles. Oh, if we just do the miraculous, then I'll believe. And, and Jesus is actually saying, no, you need to believe or the miracles are really meaningless. If all you see is a miracle, everyone likes a miracle. Herod was looking for miracles. It's what he asked John the Baptist to do. And God's saying, no, I want you to express your faith. I think Jesus purposely delayed. I think Jesus purposely let the little girl actually die. Because Jesus knew exactly what those people in that room needed to see, including Peter, James, and John. Maybe they had gotten to the place to where they no longer rested in his power. Maybe they were thinking it was all about the process. And so Jesus says, don't tell anybody what happened here. You just tell them about me. Jesus probably wrung his hands. No doubt that Jairus was pacing around, his wife doing the same. James and John, or Peter and James and John are all wandering around the room. It's like, man, what, what have we gotten ourselves into now? And the Lord basically says to them, fear not. Don't despair. Just believe. That child was definitely dead. You would think that would take precedence. You would, you would think that in the grand scheme of things, you would think with all that's going on in our world, the Lord would step into these major things that are going on and just bring them to a conclusion. But could it be that the Lord is allowing these things in our country so that we'll trust in nothing save him? I think it might be the reason. Maybe the church is being called back to faith. Maybe you as an individual believer right now are being called back to faith. 
Maybe you've been trusting in something else. Maybe you've been trusting in your ability to understand and work through the details as they're presented to you in the news. Perhaps you're thinking there's some social program that we can put into place, some amount of money that can be spent when the only thing that is going to be a real lasting answer is Christ alone. Changed hearts one at a time. People believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved and then having their mind renewed and transformed. Taken from children of darkness to children of light. Walking in the truth instead of walking in the lies of the enemy in this world. And so Jesus in a hopeless situation says, believe only. Can you imagine what Jairus thought about for the rest of his days as he walked hand in hand with his 13-year-old daughter and his 14-year-old daughter and maybe when she got married as he joined her at the altar. My daughter's here because we only believed. Jesus said everything's going to be all right. And church, I want to say to you, in Christ, everything's going to be all right. In him, all things are possible. But without him, is nothing is possible. We can do nothing without him. But by him and through him, we can do all things as he strengthens us. The answer, church, is that we only believe. Those are beautiful words. They're powerful words. They're words of life. The mourners that were there thought they knew better. They were getting ready to wail and howl. This girl's gone and Jesus said, no, she's not. You might be thinking, looking at the world, the world is gone in Christ. No, it's not. You might be saying this situation is hopeless. It can't be fixed in Jesus Christ. No, it's not. You might be saying racism can't be fixed in Christ. Oh, yes, it can. But we have to only believe. And we have to turn to him. And when he speaks, we have to listen and act. And so whether you're a terrorist that's been terrorized, whether you're tormented or whether you're terminal, there's one answer, and his name is Jesus. We have pastors online right now that would love to pray with you, share the good news of the gospel with you, listen to the cry of your heart, and seek the face of the King of kings and the Lord of lords for you. The dynamic master is up to every challenge, but we have to take our challenges to him. Church, let's do exactly that. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we come and Lord, we apologize. We say we're sorry for our lack of faith. Lord, I'm sorry. I admit to you that I've struggled. This time's been painful for me, hard for me. 
And I know most people watching and listening right now would say the same thing. We don't know what to do. Part of the problem is we haven't turned the direction we needed to turn, and that's to you, Jesus. We haven't asked for more faith. We've asked for more programs or more news or more stuff, more things, more prosperity. We need more of you, Jesus. Increase our faith. Grow our hope. We cast our cares upon you, the King of Kings, and we ask you to hear our cry, O God, and heal our land. Save us, Lord. You're the only one that can do it. We rest in you, Jesus. We who know you proclaim you. You are the only hope. You've always been the only hope. Help us to rest in that hope. And it's in your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.